The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. We are here at my favorite restaurant there in Atlanta, and I'm joined by John Gladwin. He's the band leader of The Last Tycoon and singer, songwriter, recording artist, film guy. <laughs> Thank you so much for making the time. Hey, thanks for having me. It's it's great to be here at there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about how you ended up in Atlanta. Why Atlanta? You know, that was a fortuitous set of circumstances. I was living in Sweden at the time. I grew up in Arkansas. I lived in Nashville for like five years. So I was kind of a a child of the South. And then I was living over in Sweden for like three years and came back to America. I thought I was going to live in, I went back to Nashville, but it just didn't feel like home anymore. And on a whim, I went and visited a friend in Athens and had the most incredible weekend of my life. Athens, Georgia. (laughs) Yeah, it was so much fun. It was I met some great musicians uh, who I'm still friends with. Guys, I, I sort of stumbled into this really creative community in Athens. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is what I've been missing. So I moved there for a little bit and then realized that Atlanta was such a great city. I'd never spent any time here. So it was through that connection that maybe a year after being in Athens, I made it to Atlanta. Hmm. And it's just has since I found it like a great creative and collaborative community here that it's not just one media you can be a songwriter or a painter or a filmmaker in this city and there's a great cross-pollination that you don't have like in a place like nashville which is kind of all sort of one type of yeah artist is there a favorite child for you in terms of the music filmmaking could you pick which one gets fed the most? You know, music is kind of my first love, but I don't really see much of a difference between them. Like, my creative process is kind of the same. And you just sometimes you find uh, an idea that has a home in a song, or if that doesn't, it, it, you, you might think it's a song and then it becomes a script or an idea for a character or something you can apply elsewhere. Or vice versa, you might play with a, a character and it just not work in a in the story you're writing. So you throw it in a song and it finds its home there. So I started out as a musician and that's still my natural inclination, but they build on each Because of the fact that you make films, now when you're writing a song, do you find yourself a lot of times imagining in advance what, the, what a music video would look like? <laughs> Um, not necessarily the video, I th- but I do think in terms of place mm-hmm. and the setting or the world that a song might live in, I kind of picture a visual sense of what's going on in, in a tune as it develops. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, not the video, because sometimes that is not necessarily tethered in reality or what's achievable. But... As, like, for instance, with the Oppenheimer Blues record, as I was writing those songs, a very visual landscape 
started to present itself mm-hmm. and it, in my mind as the lyrics developed and I realized, oh, this the world that this record exists is the New Mexico desert. Mm-hmm. And you could, the, the idea of the dusty highways or the Los Alamos nuclear facility, like those images came up in the lyrics and and then they started to uh, come out in the videos and some we could achieve some we could i would have loved to have made a video in the in the midst of a nuclear silo that <laughs> exists in new mexico but uncle sam probably would have something to say about that <laughs> well tell us about this debut album oppenheimer blues yeah it's uh it's a record that was born out of a time i was living in a motel in albuquerque working on this sci-fi TV pilot for CBS that never saw the light of day. Uh, they just made one episode. I think a few people in the boardroom looked at it and said, yep, we're done. <laughs> but I was living out there and I had a lot of time to meet people who I never lived in the desert. I never lived out West for any extended period of time. And I met an amazing cross section of people and started to see the stories of the shape, what shaped New Mexico and the desert Southwest from Native Americans to the Spanish conquest to, you know, later on the uh, development of the atomic bomb. And they all kind of exist right on top of each other. Yeah. And it sort of started to feed a creative energy and subsequently found out like people I really admire. I see why they move out there. Like guys like Cormac McCarthy, Sam Shepard, you know, writers who have this kind of sort of very uh, visceral and, and clear landscape in their writing. It, it, it's magnetic in that sense. So the stuff, I, I just started to write songs um, at the film studio and then in motel. These songs started to take shape. And I didn't think it was going to be a record. I just, and then by the time that whole process was done, I realized, oh, I've got the makings of a record here. So we took them in, fleshed them out. And some of the songs worked, some didn't, but presenting them with a band sort of was a great way to evoke the desert. Hmm. Right. You were just mentioning about feeding creative spirit. Yeah. What do you find your greatest well is for inspiration? It's everywhere around you. I mean, you. I, I'm one of those people that believe you can't sit around waiting for inspiration to hit. Mm-hmm. It's always there if you know where to look, if you're quiet. You know, Tom Waits had a great line that uh, songwriting is like fishing. You got to go down the river and you got to get real quiet and wait a long time to catch the big ones. You know, it's a good way to looking at it. So I travel a lot and meet a lot of different people. And if you just stay in tune to that, you can find stories and fodder for writing everywhere you live. On the note of Tom Waits, who are some of your favorites in terms of writers and musicians? Oh, man. Well, Tom Waits, you know, he's he's should be in the Hall of Fame of every, every writer. I love Leonard Cohen in the same vein of guys who just write just great, great lyricists. Elvis, James Brown, <laughs> David Bowie, the Beatles, like those kind of big luminaries had a huge impact on me as a kid and, and even still today it, you know I'm still trying to figure out how to make a record like James Brown <laughs> <laughs> how 
how much of an influence or uh, how much are books a part of what you do? Because I know The Last Tycoon was an unfinished yeah. piece by F. Scott Fitzgerald. Yeah, yeah. you a big reader? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That is one of the things I, I, I do to sort of feed the well. Uh-huh. And like going back to that creative well, the more you take in, be it music, film, places, people, and books are a huge part of that for me. I love Fitzgerald. I, you know, as I write or as I travel, I try to like create a reading list for where I'm going. Or if I'm in a place, finding literature that is, is from that. So, you know, like when you're in the Southwest, Sam Shepard plays are a great place to start. David Roberts is a really cool historian of the Southwest and outdoors guy. So some of his writing really affected the record and just informing the uh, the space that you're looking at. So, yeah, I, I read all the time. And it, it is always something that, that can help. And you can, you know, steal a line or two if you're, <laughs> if you're subtle about it. If you get stuck in a lyric or you see something in a poem or in a line of a book, you can make that the first line of your song. When somebody listens to this album, Oppenheimer Blues, yeah. what do you want the listener to get from that experience? Uh, you know, I it would be my hope that a, the listener could be transplanted into a place that they haven't been. Uh, taken to the, the desert at night. The first song is very much uh, Where Shadows Grow. is about a guy driving around the desert who's got a little bit of a killer streak in him. And it is not a place that's necessarily rooted in reality, mm-hmm. but it could be a place you're familiar with. And, you know, if people open themselves up to it, they can go on a, on a like, a, a pretty, uh, pretty fun journey to a place that they might not have been before. What is the best thing about being John Gladwin? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I don't have much uh, room for comparison because I've never really been <laughs> anybody else. That you could imagine. I, well, you know, I couldn't <laughs> speak to this. It's just great, you know. It's the same as everybody, just being alive, and you get an, every day you get, we, you, everybody wins the lottery when they wake up, mm-hmm. because you get another day to see what, what, what's out there, mm-hmm. and uh, what's to come. One of the things about this day and age is you, you just never know who's watching, you never know who's listening. So, in closing, what would you say to anybody who's out there? Oh, I'd say that they, uh, I hope they uh, dig the record. And that there's something that they can find that is maybe illuminating or informative. And that they just enjoy it. Take what they want from it. You can't ask for anything more from an audience. (laughs) Well, John, thanks for coming on the Paul Leslie Hour. Hey. Thanks for coming to there. Thanks for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. (laughs) You're in there. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. If you enjoy these interviews, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast. You can help us by listening on the free Radio Public app. The show can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or Overcast. For more information, visit thepaulleslie.com or follow on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at thepaulleslie. The Paul Leslie Hour theme song is performed and composed by Jeff Pike. Outro music is performed and composed by John Goodwin. See you next time on the Paul Leslie Hour.